Welcome to MishnahStudy.com. This is Jesse Salem, and together we're studying Masichet Berachot. We're up to Perek Chet, uh, We're speaking over here, wine after the meal. So, they finish the meal, and someone brings them wine before they say Birkat HaMazon. Balem Yain, Na'achal HaMazon. Ve'en sham ela oto akos. Bet shamay omrin, mevarech ala yain, ve'achar kach mevarech ala mazon. So if wine came after the meal, right? But before they said Brikat Amazon, and that's the only cup of wine they have. So are you allowed to drink this cup of wine? Or do you need to save it for Birkat Amazon to make Birkat Amazon a la cost? So Bet Shammai allows you to drink the wine before Birkat Amazon. And Bet Hillel say that you need to use the wine for Birkat Amazon. Since according to Bet Hillel, Birkat Amazon needs to have a cup of wine. Whereas Bet Shammai doesn't need one. Right? over here is rooted in whether or not Birkat Amazon to unakos. If it needs to have Birkat Amazon, it needs to have a cup of wine. Halakha, over here according to Rambam, he says that the Birkat Amazon does not need to have a cup of wine. Um, you could see the Bet Yosef, uh, he expounds on it in Siman Kof Pebet. Now moving on to the next part of the Mishnah, which speaks about whether or not you're allowed to answer Amen after a Kuti. Well, let's see what it says. So first of all, you're allowed to answer Amen after Yisrael who says Beracha. Right? So if anyone of Yisrael says Beracha, you're allowed to answer Amen. But you're not allowed to answer Amen after a Kuti who makes a Beracha until you hear the entire Beracha. Right? So whereas Yisrael, if you only heard the end of the Beracha, you just hear Bore Priya Gefen. You could assume that he blessed God, that his opening was Baruch Atah Hashem, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, he's blessing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you could assume he said that and answer Amen, even if you only heard the end. But when it comes to a Kuti, we're concerned of who he's making the Beracha to, and therefore if you only hear the end of the Beracha, you're not allowed to answer Amen until you hear the entire Beracha, then he actually blessed God. Now, Harambam over here, First of all, opens up and says there are some people that say uh, we have an until he hears the entire beracha, right? Until the person who's answering amen hears the entire beracha. But he says there are people who read the who, read in, who, uh, who punctuate over here right? until the beracha is heard. And he says it's all the same. The point over here of the mishnah is you're not allowed to answer amen until you hear the entire beracha from the kuti. And he says, and over here I'm going to explain the concept of the Kutim. So it came up a few times already in Masechet Berachot. Um, we left it until this point to speak about. And what is it exactly? So we know, if we flip to Melachim Bet, Perek Yudzayin, we see the story when in the times of the king of Hoshea ben Elah, he was the king of Israel. His capital was in Shomron. He was king for twelve years. In his twelfth, in his, in his, sorry, in nine years, and in his ninth year, the Allah Alav Shalman Eser Melech Ashur, 
right? The king Shalman Eser, the king of Ashur, came and took a siege, sieged uh, Shomron for three years, Samaria, the capital city of Israel, for three years, and he ended up conquering it. Right? Harambam over here says it was Sanhariv. This is most probably based on the Talmud that says Shalman Eser is Sanhariv, that they are the same person. In the Talmud of Masichet Sanhedrin. And the policy of Ashur at the time was when they conquered someone, they wouldn't leave that nation living in their land. They would exile them and in place put someone else in their territory. So no one feels comfortable. Everyone feels like they're living in Galut. No one is in their own land. So he ended up exiling the, uh, the, the Israel. And what he put, he put there in his place. Pasuk of Dalet says, And it continues, right? From all these places. He puts them in place of Israel in the cities of Shomron. So he takes people from Kuta. Kuta, here's where the name Kutim comes from. And if you continue on reading, we see that they ended up living there. But at the very start, when they started living there, it says over there that God, He sent forth lions. They would kill them. They didn't know the laws of the land. They didn't know to follow God. And at the time, the king of Ashur sent back, he brought one of the Kwanim, who he sent out to Galut, he returned them back. He brought them to Bet El, and they would teach them how to fear and serve God. But they didn't worship God fully. The Pasuk says, And it continues, So they would fear God, but at the same time, they would worship their foreign gods. Right? Just like the laws of all the Goyim, Kemishpat Goyim. And they wouldn't keep, you know, all the mitzvot. But as time went on, Hanambam explains, that they started to be midaktik in certain mitzvot. And the ones that they were midaktik, that they focused on, and they performed, they performed correctly. And they were held, we understood them, they were muhzak, as being people who were ma'aminim badat. They literally were loyal to the religion. And they wouldn't worship Abu Dazara. And we assume, as they were part of the, you know, in essence, you can answer Amen to anything they would say. But what happened? Hamim came and they investigated and they saw that on the top of their mountain, Har Girizim, they found that there was a, an image of a Yonah, of a dove on top. And they realized that they weren't worshipping God solely. They were of Abu Dazara. And at that very moment, they decided that they would be considered like goyim for all intensive purposes. Now, once Hachamim said this, that they're goyim for all intensive purposes, they have the total status of goyim. But in the Mishnah, we have this terminology, kutim. Why do we care who the kutim are if they're like goyim? So Rambam explains that anytime you see in the Mishnah the concept of kutim, that they are supposedly... Um, uh, greater status than Goyim, 
right? Just a little less than Israel, but the in between Israel and the Goyim, they have this like in between status, right? Similar like we said before, Mizamnim Makuti. You can make Zimun with the Kuti, right? Or the Kuti who says the Beracha. All these things are all before Hachamim investigated the matter. The once they investigated, then they have the same law as all the Goyim. So anytime in the Mishnah that we mention Kutim, it's pre the investigation. But Halakha is that once Hachamim investigated, that's it, Kutim like Goyim for all intensive purposes. And over here on Abba says, even, even less than Goyim. And what does that even mean, less than Goyim? Kapach explains that, you know, Goyim, you don't have a problem where you're worried about Mamzerut. But over here, we have to even worry that the, they, they may bring Mamzerim into the, uh, into the nation, right? unlike other Goyim. They even like have a lower status than Goyim. And Abba Menzov, Da'azot, right? Know this. I won't have to repeat it over any time where we have the concept of a kuti. So this is the law of the kutim. Uh, it's rooted based off Milachim Bet, but base, uh, basically after Hachamim investigated the matter and saw that they were really worshipping Abu Dazara. So anytime we have kuti in the Mishnah, you should know that the law doesn't apply. Rather, they're like guim for all intensive purposes. That closes off the last perik, perik Het, not last perik. And I asked in the beginning what would be the flow of this entire perik. And if you think about it, all the machlokot that we saw were organized from the beginning of Shabbat, opening with Kiddush, and then we took us through the meal until Havdalah at the very end. And then the last few Mishnayot we spoke about laws after, post Birkat Amazon. With that, we end off the eighth perik, and the next perik we'll see laws of various other berachot uh, where we praise um, slash thank God uh, for what He does for us.